Impact has always been at the heart of Living Hope, and uh, this month is an important month for us because every year uh, we are able to receive a special offering that enables us to send missionaries. As you well know, if you're here regularly, we are commissioning so much about every other week. We, we've sent out, I think, 26 teams by the time this year will have ended, which is about every other week. And so that happens because we give uh, to the gift for Christ, which uh, provides a, a source of the finances needed for these teams to go. Here's what I want to encourage you to do, is to begin to pray about what you're going to give this year, and then also be sure and get one of these little bulletins that uh, it shows all the trips that we are going to be going on with our partners this upcoming year, and pray about if God would have you to go. We had over 200 folks uh, by the end of the year. We'll have had over 200 folks go uh, overseas to share the gospel. And again, we, we're here to share the gospel in both Green. We have folks in our home, in our neighborhoods, where we work, where we go to school, where we hang out, that need Christ. And we're to live as missionaries here, but Jesus said, hey, you got to get past your Jerusalem and Judea. you got to go to the ends of the earth. And we have partners who are at the ends of the earth, and we have the privilege to go and join them in what God's doing in the world. So be praying about going, be praying about your gift. And, and be ready for God to speak. And I do pray today you're ready for God to speak. If you got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to the book of Jonah, one of the small prophets there amongst the many little prophets. If you need your table of contents, there's no shame in that. It's a little book. It's hard to find. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories, one of the, the favorite, my favorite historical truths. Uh, it speaks to me uh, so, so deeply, and I, I so wish we had so much more time to give, but we're in a, a series. We're going to do a, a chapter a week, as we did with Ruth, and we're going to, well, actually, the truth we did in three weeks was way too fast, but we're going to do four weeks for, for Jonah, and, and I want to just again tell you, there's so much more here that I'm going to expose you to today. You need to really dig in. This whole series is going to call us to, to look at our lives and make sure that we're being real. Being real. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know how easy it is to fake it. To pretend you're walking with God. To pretend that you're, you're kind of doing your, 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 your godly thing. But friends, God's not called us to fake it. He's called us to live an authentic Christian life. One that really shows his love and shows his light to the world. And, and that requires change on our part. It requires God to sometimes take us through things that, that help us understand that he's supposed to be first. He needs to be first in order for us to have the life that he died for us to gain. And don't forget that. The life the Lord wants for you is the life that he died for you to have. This is a precious life that you have. It is a precious gift that has been bought at a very, very high price. Take it very seriously. Don't, don't make it second or third on your list. And, and what we want to talk about today is what is first in your life. God will bring to us throughout our lifetime different faith challenges. And what we, what we see happening in the book of Jonah is a man going through a faith challenge. And these challenges come under the sovereign care of God so that we can see ourselves, so we can see Him, and so we can see what's going on to make sure we're real, that we are, we are becoming and we are who we were meant to be in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, to understand Jonah, you've got to understand some of the background. First thing that you got to know about Jonah, this is very important, a lot of people overlook it, one of the things you got to really know about Jonah, and this is a real faith challenge issue for him, he really, really, really loved his country. As a matter of fact, he loved Israel more than he loved God. 
There was nothing more important to Jonah in his life than the fact that he was an Israelite, that he was a Hebrew, that he was someone that was from this country. It was huge to him. You know, there are times that people ask me, why, why I have such disdain for the University of Tennessee? Fair questions. And, and I often blame my big brother, although all you see fans have issues. But my big brother in particular, let me tell you what he did. Um, after my dad passed away, uh, he took us out, he took the house and that sort of thing. I hadn't been home in a while. And I went home and I walked into the living room and I kid you not, it was UT Orange. Bless your heart. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Anybody, I'm praying for you. Anybody else? <laughs> and it's just like, you know, God, you see, this is awful. He, he, it's okay to love you, T. It's okay. He, 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 yeah, I know. He loved him just a little bit too much. You know what I mean? He went too far. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with loving your country. There's nothing wrong. But if you love your country more than you love God, something's seriously wrong. If you love anything more than God, there's something seriously wrong. Now, Jonah was a very popular guy in his day. Uh, he was popular because he loved his country, and he was so appreciated by the people of his country. Uh, Jeroboam was in the midst of, of bringing about some, some expansion and, and restoring the borders, and here we see Jonah, first, uh, where he's mentioned historically. And by the way, let me remind you of this. Jonah is mentioned historically here and then again by Jesus Christ. This is not a fable. This is not a made-up story. This is a real historical person who experienced what, what is described in real life. This is, this is not something that was made up. If you, if you doubt it, you have to doubt Jesus. And by the way, Jesus was raised from the dead. Someone going into a fish and living three days is not a big deal. All right? In light of the resurrection, this is not a big deal. But Jonah, was a, he was a very popular guy. So we read in, what is it, Second uh, Kings chapter 14, verse 25. He, speaking of Jeroboam, restored the border of Israel from Libohaneth as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant, Jonah the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gathepher. And so this is all that's really said about Jonah. And what you need to know, when you see uh, someone mentioned, but not, not a lot of description given, it meant that the original readers already knew. Jonah was famous. Jonah was popular. People liked him because he loved Israel. And he was prophesying during a very popular time, during a, a, a very uh, exciting time for the nation of Israel. And because he loved Israel so much, loved them, loved them too much, loved them more than God, he hated Israel's enemies. He hated Assyria. He hated them with a passion. Now, Understand, the Assyrians were terrible people. I cannot describe to you how awful they were to those they conquered. If you're into that sort of thing, look it up. It'll make you sick. Just know what they did was atrocious. These were not good people. But Jonah didn't hate them because of what they did to other people. Jonah hated them because of what they wanted to do to his people. He wanted to have nothing to do with them. Please understand, the book of Jonah is not about a guy and a fish. It's about a man and his faith. It's about what was first in his life and what God had to do to rearrange his priorities and rearrange his heart and change him to make him become what God intended him to be. Uh, understand this book is, is it's a beautiful book. It's very short on words, very high on meaning. 
uh, there's not a wasted word in it, and I so wish we had uh, several months to just really unpack this. Let me encourage you to get a good commentary on this and really dig in and get a good, just a good study Bible would, would do you well. And know that what we're going to look at here in chapter 1 today is not nearly enough, but I do want you to see, when you look at the book in its entirety, by way of introduction, I want you to see that there are two sequences going on. So hopefully by now you found Jonah. I want you to go to chapter 1 and chapter 3. Because at, the, at chapter 1 and chapter 3, what you'll see there are the beginnings of one of the two sequences that make up the book. And there's, a, there's parallelism here. And, and so it gives you a sense of what the real meaning of what the story is, is about. So what we see is, is God gives Jonah his message. Look in chapter 1, verse 1, and then look at chapter 3, verse 1. And there you see God's giving Jonah his message, and it's parallel. Then God gives Jonah his orders. Look in, look in chapter 1, verse 2, and look at chapter 3, verse 2. And what do you see? God is giving Jonah his orders. And then look at, at, at uh, the third thing, Jonah's response. Chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 3. And so the responses are different, but there you see the parallel picture here of what the, the writer is doing. He's showing you, hey, here are these two sequences. Here is God at work. Here's what God is trying to do. He, he's, calling, he's calling Jonah to get real about his faith, about his life in Christ, and his life in trusting in the Lord God Almighty. Jonah loved, loved, loved his country more than he loved God. And, and God was dealing with him. Jonah hated the Assyrians. And so when God says to him, go to Nineveh, that great city, you can just imagine how he felt about that. Are you joking? I'm not going to go to those sickos. I'm not going to go talk to those people. He, he, was, he was angry. He was aghast that God would call him to do something so ridiculous as to love those horrible, terrible people who wanted to destroy his great love. And so he goes down, down, down. And it's understandable. Jonah didn't want to go not only because he hated Assyria, but to understand the context of this, the Assyrians hated him. Hated the Jews. You'd have to understand that what God was calling him to do would be like God calling a Jewish rabbi during the uh, time of Hitler to go to Berlin and to preach on the corner about the greatness of, 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 of the God of Israel. They, they would have trapped him and hurt him. And so, and so Jonah is very aware that, you know what, if I go and preach, you know what might happen? These people might repent because God is so merciful, he'll forgive them. Jonah didn't want him to repent. He wanted him to be cursed because he loved his country more than he loved his God. And, and the last thing he wanted to do was put himself at risk for people he hated. And so God has to do a work in his life. God has to show up and, and speak. Jonah reminds us, reminds us something we all are tempted to do and are doing. And, and here's where I want to ask you to get real with yourself at least. Jonah's sin was that he loved something more than he loved God. What about you? What do you love more than you love God? And again, this is an opportunity to get real. And I think as we look at the text today, that there's going to be some of this that opens your eyes to, to maybe this is something that's going on in your heart. See, Jonah loved Israel far more than he loved God. And, and in Israel was far more important to him than God's kingdom. I don't know if y'all heard about this or not. Um, last couple of weeks, apparently there was a Supreme Court nomination somewhere, I don't know, something about that. You know, in the midst of this last week, it, it dawned on me. 
this is way too important to, 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 to God's people. Um, we were listening in, in phones and stuff and, and found out that there were some pastors that I, I love and respect who are using their pulpits not to preach the gospel, but to talk about a Supreme Court nomination. I thought, that's not the place for that. We've got to be so careful. We live in a great country, but this country cannot save our souls. And we've got to be so careful that, that, that we don't commit the sin of Jonah. And putting that above everything else. You know what's going on in our country? You want to know why there's so much hate? It's because, honestly, there are people that love this country more than they love God. And they're willing to hurt and destroy other people, both sides of the aisle, because they love their country more than they love God. You know what our country would be like if people loved God more than anything else? We could disagree with peace. We could disagree with honor. We could disagree and, and, and still love one another. You know why we can't do that? Because we've made a God of our nation. It's not in God we trust. It's in America we trust, and we want to use God to make it happen. And that was the sin of Jonah. His priorities were way out of whack. And I want to tell you, we're all tempted to do what he's done to get our priorities way out of whack. And I'm just going to tell you, in studying this, I had to really do some soul-searching myself and get real about where I stood on a number of things. And I pray that will happen with you today as we talk about faith challenges. Now let's go to chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Emily, why don't you come up and read first? Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And this kind of sets off the whole book, kind of sets, it, sets us going now into this first chapter and get a sense of what's happening. So read that for us. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Emily. If you would go ahead and be seated. So uh, you probably know this part of the story. Uh, God tells him to go to Nineveh. He hates the Ninevites because he loves his country. And so you'll notice that Jonah goes down, down, down. God had called him to go up, and he goes down, starts down to the boat, down into the boat because he wanted to flee God. And so God brings to him a faith challenge. A faith challenge is anything that causes us to doubt, disobey, or ignore God and stumble into hurt, hardship, or hard-heartedness. Here's what I want you to know. God has a plan for your storm. God has a plan for your faith challenge. He's bringing it for His glory for a purpose. There's three things that we that we need to have happen to us in our faith challenge, and we see these in our text today, and these are deeply personal. Now, I want you to look at your outline, and I want you to notice this in the first person singular, and here's what I want you to do. I want to encourage you to do this. Use this as a litmus test for your own soul. Take notes on this, and then go back this afternoon, go back this week, and ask yourself... As I've gone through faith challenges, as I'm going through faith challenges, have these things helped me? Are these the things that are happening to me? Are these the good things that are coming about? Let these questions uh, really kind of help you get through your faith challenge and, and honor God and deal with the stuff that's really going inside of your heart. The first thing to note is this. Every faith challenge helps me know who God is. Is that true of you? 
your faith challenge today, helping you know who God is. Jonah was going through a storm. He was going through difficulty. And it was in this that, that God begins to reveal himself. This text tells us so much about God, verses 1 through 10. It tells us that God is concerned with and deeply loves the whole world. God loves the most broken people in the world. God loved, loved those Assyrians who were treacherous people. And yet God loved them still. God calls us to love his people the way he loves them. That's so hard sometimes. You know, theoretically, theoretical love is so easy. Loving people that hurt you is hard. Forgiving people that have wronged you hard. That's the love of Jesus. That's the love of God. That's the love that says, I will forgive you. I will give up myself so that you can be redeemed. I will give up what I want, what I demand, so that we can be made right. That's the love of God. That's the powerful, free, liberating love of God. And this is what God is calling us to, to, to be concerned with those God's love. He's calling us and He's, he's correcting us. God, God always brings a storm with sin. When you're sinning, if you're his child, he's going to bring a storm to, 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 to deal with you. Now, look at verse 4. This storm, I want you to notice the verb there, hurled. He hurled the storm at him. This is literally the word that is used when a, when a warrior would throw a weapon of some kind. God is hurling this storm to deal with this disobedient prophet. There are times when you're in disobedience that God's going to hurl a storm at you. Now, let me say this. Every storm is not a result of the fact that you have sinned. Sometimes you go through storms because you live in a fallen world. Your cancer may or may... It, it, listen, people get cancer because we're in a broken world. Bad things happen to good people in a broken world. So please, please, be so careful that you don't think every time something bad happens to you that somehow you have sinned. It may not be you at all. Remember, those sailors didn't do anything. It was Jonah. And that's the other thing to remember. Your sin is always going to impact other people. As a matter of fact, your sin is going to cause harm to those who are closest to you. Think about that for a moment. See, so often what we want to do is say, well, my sin is just my deal. It's just, it's just going to affect me, friends. We're all in the same boat. And when God is taking you through a storm, He's taking those that are closest to you through that same storm. Young people, don't think that your decisions don't impact your parents because they do. Parents, don't think your kids are just going to be okay because your choice is going to have a huge impact on their life. Stepping out on your spouse, walking away from your covenant vows, that's going to affect your child. Don't, don't lie to yourself. Don't, don't think that just because you're doing it, that's going to fall just on you. No, 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 no. Your sin is going to affect everybody who loves you and who's close to you, who's around you. That's exactly what happened with Jonah. Here are these Gentiles who are with him, and they're dealing with his stuff because of his sin. Now look, when you're in a storm, just listen. You're not always going to understand what God's doing. And you're not always going to agree with it. Trust and obey Him anyway. And here's why I would tell you to do that. Why I tell myself to do that. 
It's not just because he's powerful and scary, and he is, but because he loves you. God wants what's best for you. So when you're in the midst of your storm, whatever it may be, remember, even if it's because of your sin or if it's because of someone else's sin or it's just because you're in this fallen world, understand, God loves you with with a never-ending love. And His power is perfect. And what He wants you to do is trust and obey. You might not understand it. You may not agree with it. Trust and obey anyway. Jonah was having to deal with a God he couldn't control. God was intervening in this man's life, and he didn't understand, and he didn't agree, and he didn't like it, and he didn't want to trust and obey. And so he had to get a a reminder, a refresher course on who God is. And that's what happens with every faith challenge. It helps me know who God is. Secondly, every faith challenge helps me see, look at that word, what I am. Everyone has faith in something, and whatever your faith is in, that defines you as a person. These sailors knew that what was happening was a result of something supernatural. So what they do, they cast lots. Probably what they did was they put everyone's name on a stick, they drew the stick, and there's Jonah's name. So they begin to ask Jonah questions about who he is. Because, see, who he is would let them know why uh, this was going on. Uh, Notice what the questions are. Look in verse 8. Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. Look at these questions. What is your occupation? Uh, where do you come from and what's your country? Uh, third, well, what, what people are you? Well, what people are you? Look at what they're asking. First of all, what's your purpose? What's your job? What do you do for a living? Second, what's your place? Where, where, where do you call home? Last one, who are your people? What is your race? What is your designation within all the nations? These are the airplane questions, right? You sit down on an airplane, so what do you do? Where are you from? What, what's your people? Uh, we were on vacation. Um, uh, not, it wasn't this time. It was another time. And um, I don't know why. People always come up and talk to me on vacation. It always amazes my children. like, yeah, why do people talk to you? Is that I'm just a likable guy. This guy came up and talked with me. And you're going to think I'm making this up. I promise this, this is the truth. His name was J.R. and he was from Dallas. <laughs> and he gave it if you're a child of the 80s, you'll get this joke. I said, did you ever figure out who shot you? <laughs> if you don't know what that means, count yourself blessed. All right. So here's what I know. He was, he was, his name was J.R., all right? And uh, he worked in a medical supply company. He, uh, he was from Dallas, and he sure made it clear that he was a Republican, all right? You get the picture of what I was talking to. I mean, I just gave you those descriptions. And I, I know there was probably like this picture. Some of you probably pictured a huge belt buckle with a bathing suit. That was not the case. But it wouldn't surprise me, right? So then, you know, he asked me, so what do you do? Uh, he'd already laced the conversation with colorful words. And so it was really funny. When I'm a pastor from Kentucky. And I'm so bad. And then he stopped cussing. And it was fun, you know. It was, good, it was a good comment. But, you know, when you ask these questions, what you're doing is you're saying, what are you about? What's your, what, who are you? What are you? Now, they ask these questions. And notice the order. Okay, go back to verse, uh, go back to verse 8. Look at the order. What's your job? What's your purpose? Where's your home? Where's your place? Jonah's answer 
points to what's first in his heart. So look in, look in verse 9. He answers the last question. What's the, what is his answer? Verse 9, when they ask all these questions, what's the first? I am a what? Hebrew. Well, you know what he's saying right there? He's saying, I'm better than you. You guys are a bunch of pagans. Notice what he didn't say. I'm on a mission from God. I'm supposed to be. Listen, they've already ca- they've already caught up that this guy's messed up. And what he's doing now is he's revealing what he is, and what he is is a bigot. He's racist. He hates everyone but his own people, and he has decided that they are trash. And he is higher and better, and he doesn't have to obey God because he knows better than God. Do you see the sin of his heart? This is a man who was seriously broken. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with loving your country. You should. You should love the place you're from. You should care for it. Jeremiah 29, 7, look what it says. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. We're all exiles here. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this world is not your own. Please understand that. But where you are, where God sent you, hey, pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Listen, we have a responsibility to our nation, but we have to first and foremost remember whose we are. Do you know whose you are? See, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then this is what you should say. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I'm a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that I may proclaim the excellencies of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is that what you say? Hey, who are you? Where are you from? I'm from a cross. I'm from a an empty tomb. I'm a, I'm a part of the people who will live forever under the headship of Jesus Christ, who is my King and my Lord, of whom I will serve with all my heart. That's our identity. What are you? What do you say? What, what are you about? And let me, let me just say this to you. If it's not Jesus, you're in trouble. It's interesting to, to watch what happens to athletes when they retire, how they fall, many of them fall into depression because that's what defines them. It's interesting to watch people who've worked in the workforce for years. They fall, they get into retirement. Oftentimes, they fall into retirement because their job defines. It's interesting to watch parents, dads and moms, when their kids go away, fall into fall into depression because that's who they were. What I did was that's that's who I am. I'm a, I'm a parent. I'm a I'm a worker. I'm a, I'm an athlete. Let me just tell you something. If you're basing your identity on anything other than Jesus Christ, you're lost. And sooner or later, you're going to lose what it is you're so proud of and defined by now. So you've got to understand, at the end of the day, there's only one who will stand, and that is Jesus Christ, the most holy, high God. And what God wants us to do is to understand whose we are. Let me ask you, where are you with God? Does He define your existence? Is He, is he first in your heart? All you got to do is say, well, what gets you upset? What keeps you up at night? See, whatever it is that, that is attracting and pressing your heart, that's what's first. Again, we have responsibilities. We, we owe it to our children to be concerned for them, to be concerned for our, 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 our country, to be concerned. Concern and worry are two different things. When you're worried, you've made it a God. When you're concerned, you're being responsible. There's a difference. So whose are you? What are you? Last thing, real quick. Oh, I wish we had more time. Every faith challenge helps me get where God wants. And, and God got him where he wanted him. 
course, he had to be tossed overboard and swallowed by a fish. Gross. We'll talk about the vomit next week. He had to give up himself, though, so that others could live. I want you to make sure you see this. Jonah knew that the only way these guys could live was if he was willing to die. Does that remind you of anybody? Here's what Jesus said, again, speaking historically of Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the, in the heart of the earth. Why? First John tells us. First John 4, 10 says, and This is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The propitiation. What this means is the just demands of God are poured out on one individual who takes responsibility. The wrath of God is poured out on them so that everyone else can be forgiven. What did Jonah do? Jonah said, I'll die for you. This is the good news of the gospel. If we will repent and believe and we can recover and pursue God's design and we can have the life that God died for us to live only in as much as He is first. Let's get real. Let me ask you, is Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord? Is He first in your life? See, if He's first and you're pursuing Him, then everything else gets in its proper place. And even though you don't understand or even agree or like what God's calling you to go through, you can go through it with complete confidence and peace knowing that you're in the will of God and He's got a plan for what you're doing. Now, if you're in sin today, God's calling you out of that sin. If you're in the midst of the storm, you've got to ask why. Some of you need today to say, Lord, I'm in this storm because I'm not obeying and trusting you. I want you to take over my life and you need to give your life to Him. Some of you are children of God by grace through faith in Christ alone. But here's what you know. He's on the back burner. Something else is taking greater priority in your life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to repent. And can I just tell you, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take Him at His word. Just to know that He has promised. Just to know that He is Lord. He is in charge. You can trust Him. You can go through the storm. You can go through the comfort. You can go through it all because He is your God. Is He your God? Well, if you substituted Him for something that is cheap and incapable of caring for your soul, eternal soul. Friends, today I want to invite you to come and trust in Jesus. Come and pray for yourself. Come and pray for others. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, so much no more can be said, but I pray that what has been said is sufficient for your work to be done today in the hearts of every person here. Father, I know there's some today who, who need to come and get on their knees and say, Lord, I've made something more important in my life other than you. And I, right now, I want to stop that. I want you to be first. Lord, I know there's some today who that's going to be the first time they do it, and I pray that they will be saved. God, I, I pray also for some today who, whose hearts are heavy because they're mindful of some people they know that are very worried, very anxious, going through a difficult storm, and I pray today that you will move them to pray, to pray for them, that 
they'll be renewed or saved. Thank you, Lord, for the precious gift of trusting in Jesus. Come and trust Him. Come and pray to Him as we 